Good morning. I hope y'all are having fun having church at home together this morning. I love it. I don't know if anyone wore their pajamas or if anyone made cinnamon rolls, but I just am so thankful for these moments, these reminders, sometimes forced reminders, that church is not a building. A church is not a place that we go. The church is the people of God gathered together around the purposes of God. And that is who we wanna be as a church. Our Sunday morning gathering is supposed to spur on everything else we're doing as a church. But really when we gather house to house, this is the heartbeat of who we are. This is where we can all walk in our giftings. This is where we can be known. This is where we can be encouraged, where we can be strengthened. And so I am so thankful to get to do that with y'all this morning. And I did have one announcement from me that I wanted to make sure I got to you. Is next Sunday, June 13th, some of you may have heard about this already, but if you haven't, we will be having a town hall style meeting to talk about what it will take for our church to truly be a multicultural church. And we believe that the the pain and brokenness of race in our country and the pain and brokenness of race that's also within church is not uh, God's heart and not God's design. And we are committed to learning, to understanding, and to working together to see the kingdom come in that realm and to see healing and restoration happen. And so the town hall meeting will be an opportunity for anybody that is willing to share about um, their experience at our church and um, what it will take for us to truly be a place uh, where people from all backgrounds, all races, all cultures can come and feel a sense of safety and belonging. And so if uh, that will be immediately after church next Sunday, there is a chance we won't be back in our venue next week, but even if that's the case, we will be having the town hall meeting immediately after church uh, at the Antioch offices, which is where I am right now at Castle Rock Church. And so we'll get all the details to you by next week, but uh, we'll be serving lunch and anyone is welcome to attend, but we specifically want to create space for people of color to share and to be heard and um, have a safe place to do that. And so anyone's welcome to attend, but if you would be willing to share your experience as a person of color, we value that and are so looking forward to that time together. So that is next Sunday. Okay, so today we are jumping in to a four-week series on mental and emotional health. And this is one of my favorite topics. And um, I'm really excited about what we have coming up because next week, Eddie and Judy Parrish, who are close friends and therapists of ours, are gonna be sharing. And then uh, the week after that, Coach Rich is gonna be up here. And then the final week, Darren Washington, he is a local therapist. He will be coming and sharing. And then Kara Faubacher, she is a counselor that is a part of our church. She's making a ton of resources available to us. And so we have so, excuse me, so many people giving of their expertise and their experience. And we really are believing that this series is gonna lead to greater wholeness and greater breakthrough for each of us. And so I hope that it's helpful to you and hope you're able to be a part. And part of the reason we decided to do this series is because for over a year now, you have been hearing, or we have probably been saying, this has been a hard year. And it has, it has. But if anybody else says that, I will probably throw something at them. Um, it's just getting a little old hearing like, oh, it's been a long year. But it is important that we take the time to talk about that. And we take the time not to just let 
life move on, but to intentionally look into care for ourselves in the midst of what we've been through. Because how many of you know, just like in the natural, if you go through pain or you endure some injury, like it can heal even if you don't take care of it, but it doesn't mean it will heal correctly, right? And a little story for you, hope you're not too squeamish, but on Ash Wednesday, so Mardi Gras ended, but my kids are just gonna get in one more, one more bit of Mardi Gras. So they're standing on Blake's truck bed and throwing beads off the side of the truck, right? And all the big girls are hopping down. And then Ella, my three-year-old, she also tries to hop down, but when she does, she falls from the height of the truck bed and just busts her chin open on the curb. And it was gross and it was bad. And so we were able to look at it enough to see like, okay, I don't think she needs stitches. I don't know if that might've been wrong, but we didn't think she did. But she is not interested in wound care. She's not interested in like, oh, we should probably rinse this and we should probably put some something, something on it to help it heal. She's like, no, do not come near my chin. She's screaming. If you even get close to it, she just loses her mind. And not just in the moment, but like for days on end, like do not touch the chin. So I'm like, okay, you know, like it's going to be fine. It's fine. Like time will heal it. Like it'll be fine. And it's fine. Like, yeah, it's fine. It healed up. It's fine. But it's not quite right. Like it, she started to grow. Like, sorry if this um, channels any Dr. Pimple Poppers uh, viewers, but she started growing like some pimples within it and like she's three so she doesn't really have those and it just kind of is like a little more raised than it probably should be so we call our friend over and she's a dermatologist she comes and she pops her pimples for her and like it's fine she's like it's okay just just try to you know try to put some vitamin e on it like try to rub it a little bit right like try to give it a little bit of care Okay, that is so our lives, right? Time goes on, things improve, like the injury stops, we heal up, but a lot of times we still don't feel quite right, right? We're better, but maybe not all the way. And a lot of times we don't even realize that the day-to-day -day struggles we're experiencing are actually connected to the pain that we endured, right? Because sometimes the pain's 20 years in the past or a year in the past or however long. And I wanna ask you today if any of these are true for you. Do you feel physically exhausted all the time? Are you emotionally disconnected, irritable, lacking focus, self-medicating, isolating, anxious, sleepless, preoccupied, self-centered, numb, lacking joy, relationally shallow, addicted, stuck. If you connect with any of those, there is a chance that you may have endured some pain and that it healed up a little wonky. And honestly, when we talk about the difficulties of COVID, for a lot of people, COVID or the pain of the last year was really nothing compared to the pain of their lives. Or for some, it was just more of the same. Another year of loss, another year of pain. For some, a year, uh, you've had a lifetime of loss, a lifetime of pain, a lifetime of abuse, of abandonment. And y'all are making it, right? If that's your story, 
you are making it. And that is no small feat, right? You're dressed, you're with other people, you have some relationships. And you, for a lot of people, you just need a big pat on the back, right? To go through some of the pain that's represented in, in these house churches and to still be making it, um, that's, no, that's no small feat. But what I want to say this morning, what I want us to see in God's word, is that there's something more for all of us. Whether you've had a little pain or a lot of pain, there is something more for us than just making it. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. So if you would get out your phone or your Bible, we're going to look at John 10, 1 through 10. I'll wait a second while y'all pull it up. I'm actually going to be reading in the NIV this morning, even though we're typically an NLT church. So feel free to choose whichever version works for you. Luke, John, sorry, John 10, 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he will go on ahead of them and his sheep will follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger in fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are our shepherd, that you came that we might have life and have it to the full. And I thank you that you know every story in this room, that you know every place of pain, God, and that you are a good shepherd and that you lead us out, God. And so I ask this morning, that you would speak to people, that you would give us courage to trust you more, and that you would lead us into the places of greater healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so shepherding is a big deal in the Bible. Like, you'll see shepherd references all the way through the Bible, but, you know, we don't really have shepherds in these parts, and so some of the picture that Jesus is painting here can be lost on us, but basically what a shepherd did, a shepherd's primary responsibility was for the safety and the welfare of the flock. That is what the shepherd was all about. He actually gave his life for that. He had, they were a roaming profession. They left their families to take care of sheep. Okay. It's like an all in, I am all about my sheep. And this was a common profession. Um, everyone who was listening to Jesus was familiar with shepherding. And they were also familiar with the scriptures. Maybe you've heard Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So the audience knows all of this. They know the profession. They know that scripture. And now Jesus is saying, I am him. I am the good shepherd. And what he is doing, this passage is huge for us. If we want to know Jesus, if we want to know his character, if we want to know how he feels about us on our bad days, 
He is stating, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And what I wanna focus on is this phrase at the end of verse 10. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, some translations say, I have come that they may have life and have life abundantly. Whatever translation you use, if you look at that, if you were to look at that word in the Greek, it's all the same word in the Greek. And that word is basically this word that means more than enough. It's just abundance. It's beyond what's anticipated. It's exceeding expectation. And it also is not just talking about quantity, but it's talking about compassing. It's all around life. Okay, that is the passionate word that Jesus is using here. Right? He's saying, I didn't just come that you might have life. I came that you would have more than enough life, abundant life, exceedingly a lot, a lot of life all around you. Every part of you would have life. That is his intention towards you. So my question this morning is, are you experiencing that kind of life? Is that how you would describe your life? Because please note, Jesus did not say, I came that they may have freedom from sin and go to heaven, right? That is true. He did come for that. He, and that is part of the life that he's talking about. But in the kindness of God and in the character of the good shepherd, that's just the beginning, right? That spiritual life is supposed to be just the beginning of life to the full, all encompassing every part of us. Okay, I want you to look at this. Do you like that I have this ready for y'all? Okay, so this is us, body, soul, and spirit, right? We have a body, and then we have a soul. That's the intangible part of us. That's our mind, our will, our emotions. Maybe I'm too scooched over. Let's see. Okay, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then we're spiritual beings, right? Um, and so we have a spirit, and then we're supposed to be joined with God's spirit. But when we, when sin entered the world, we became spiritually dead. And that's what the wages of sin is death. Anyone that comes from Adam, instead of being with the, the spirit of God within us, we just have nothing, no life here, just spiritual death. And what that means is we don't have God within us to inform our mind. We don't have God to help us know how to think. We don't have God to help us know how to act. We don't have God to help us know how to feel. We got nothing here, here. And so what happens is we, especially as children, we learn to do life independently from God. We come up with our own ways of thinking about things. We come up with our own ways of acting, our own ways of being. These are our habits, our preferences, right? We come up with our own ways of feeling about something, of responding to something. And this isn't always bad, you know, it's just the effect of sin in the world. Like we have to, we have to make it. And truly, if you grew up with trauma, you, you had to make choices here to survive, right? The things you did, the ways you thought about situations, the ways you've shut down your emotions, you had to do that. You had to do that um, to survive. But here's the good news. If you have received Jesus, you have been made spiritually alive again. This is huge. God is back. Like he's inside you now. And, and that word, oftentimes when someone gives their life to Jesus, you'll hear that um, they got saved or will say, when did you get saved? 
And that word can, um, I think there's like a movie that's making fun of Christians called Saved. Um, don't watch it. I've never seen it. <laughs> but um, it can feel like this cheesy, overused christian -y word, but actually it's a biblical word. And it's the same word that Jesus is using in John 10, right? He says, whoever enters through me will be saved. And when we get saved, that's when the spirit of God comes in, the life of God comes in. Um, but that word saved is from the Greek word sozo. And that word sozo actually means saved, healed, and delivered. And so, yes, it is talking about being saved from sin. It's talking about our spiritual life being rescued. It's talking about being taken out of the death of sin and being put into the life of God. It is 100% talking about that. But it's more than that. It doesn't just mean saved. It means saved, healed, and delivered. In fact, throughout the New Testament, whenever there's stories of someone being healed physically or being delivered from demons, that same word, sozo, is being used. Maybe you know the story of the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garments and she was healed, right? In the Greek, it says she touched the hem of his garments and she was sozoed. She was saved, healed, and delivered in that moment. And I love this. When the King James Version translates that word sozo in that story, it says when she touched his garment, she was made whole. She was made whole. And that's this idea of like when we're saved, it doesn't just stay right here in our spiritual life, but we get sozoed, we get saved, healed, and delivered. And the, and the purpose of the life of God within us is to go into all of these other areas. That's why we can talk about physical healing. And we talk about that a lot, but why aren't we talking about healing in this realm, right? The life of God here is supposed to heal our minds. It's supposed to heal our mental illness. It's supposed to heal, heal our broken will, our habits, our hangups, our addictions. It's supposed to heal our emotions, to bring life to our emotions, that we wouldn't be moody and anxious and depressed and all over the place. This is what is possible. This is the kind of life where Jesus says, whoever enters through me will be saved. I came that they may have life and have it to the full. This is what he's describing, this saved, healed, delivered reality. And yes, Jesus laid down his life that you might go to heaven but he also laid down his life that you might be free from anxiety and depression, right? He laid down his life that you would be forgiven of your sin. And he laid down his life so that the childhood trauma that you endured would not continue to impact your adulthood. He laid down his life so that you could be close to God, yes. And he laid down his life so you could let go of anger, so that you could walk away from addiction, so that you could be free from insecurity. And you know what? Maybe that's easy for you to believe. But one more thing is he laid down his life so that you could enjoy life, so that you could be happy, so that you could laugh, that you could have fun, that you could be present. Live, laugh, love. That's Jesus. That's his motto, right? He doesn't want you just to make it. He came that you would have life and have it to the full. I love how the NLT says it in John the NLT says, John 10, 10 is this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, right? He wants us to be healed. He wants us to be whole. And guys, it's so important that we get this because if we just view salvation or healing 
as a spiritual reality without implications here, then we'll do one of two things. We will hold on to our spirituality to cope with our problems. You may know people like this. They're like super emotionally unhealthy, but they're super spiritual. And we sometimes can believe that our emotional immaturity can stay here, but we can grow spiritually. It's not true that our spiritual maturity can never outdo our emotional maturity. We have to let our spiritual maturity come bring along our emotional healing together because otherwise we'll just oh read our bible and go to church and do all these religious things but we won't really let the life of god out into the places within us that really need it and so you either going to become like overly spiritual and neglect the internal world or you have this pain but you're trying so hard. You're like, if I can just read the Bible, if I could just go to church, but you just don't really have it in you, right? It's like, you can't keep up. You try, but you just suck at this. Or like, I try to follow God, but I just can't. Following God's exhausting. Guys, your spiritual life isn't what is exhausting you. It's the pain of your life that's exhausting you. And God wants the spiritual life that he's put within you to bring the healing and wholeness so that you can be fully alive and fully healed. That is the invitation he's painting for us. Understanding this and understanding this and walking this out has been a huge part of my story. And, you know, I went through some hard things growing up and they, they left an impact on me. And in some years, of my life, it's been difficult even to function. Uh, my emotions and my moods would really rule my life. I didn't have any sense of wholeness um, internally. And our first year of marriage was one such year. It was really tough. We were getting ready to move to Baton Rouge. We were gonna be a part of planting the Antioch Church there and Blake and I were gonna be the college pastors. And we were just newly married, like barely married. And um, anytime we would have conflict or any little small thing, I just couldn't handle it. I would totally panic. I would have an overwhelming panic attack. I would shut down. I wouldn't talk for hours. I wouldn't open my eyes for hours. I'd lock myself in a room. Blake would come get me. I'd run and lock myself in another room. I'd run out of the house and drive off and it was not good. And then in the midst, when I would come down from that, the depression and the shame was so heavy. It was a really hard time and believe it or not, those are not qualities they look for in pastors actually. Um, and so in the midst of that, our, our pastors said, hey, I don't know if this is a good thing for y'all right now. Like, why don't y'all put press pause on moving to Baton Rouge? And that was devastating. Um, this was all of our friends were moving. We had quit our jobs, like we were all in. And it was really devastating. And the hardest thing for me was I was kind of used to my emotional baggage <laughs> impacting my life, but now it was impacting my husband, my new husband, and I was supposed to be his lovely bride and said I was this crazy person. And in that though is where I started to encounter this reality that God has um, an invitation for each of us in terms of our emotional and mental wholeness because I just started to say, surely this isn't my life, right? Like, is this how I'm going to be forever? And because y'all, honestly, if you've struggled for a long time, you might not even realize that who you are, who you think you are is actually just your, your pain, right? Your pain isn't your personality. 
Uh, your habits aren't your identity. What you're struggling with isn't who you're going to be forever. But in the midst, you sometimes don't even realize that. Like for me, my whole life, people said I was really sensitive because I cried all the time. And so I used to tell people, yeah, I'm like a really sensitive person. I'm really sensitive. I believe that about myself, but it's only in recent days even that I realized like, oh, wasn't, I'm not sensitive. I was in pain. I cried all the time because I was in pain. But it's so easy to, uh, to just accept how we are and where we are. And in my God leading me forward, I started to say, I'm not going to accept this. This can't be the fullness of life for me and my husband and our children that we'll someday have. And so through a lot of, a lot of therapy and counseling and prayer and community and time in the word and medicine, pretty much anything you could throw at it, I started to do better. And we were actually able to move on time with everybody um, thanks to medicine and that was 10 years ago. And over those past 10 years, it's been an ongoing journey for me of healing and learning how to access the life of God within me, right? We have everything we need already. Like I'm already made whole, but it's just getting that out and into those places of pain. And that is what um, mental health is. That's what emotional health is. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a, you know, it's, just like our physical health, we have to tend to it. We have to um, treat things when our health goes south, right? We have to be proactive to stay healthy. It's the same about our emotional health, but you know, we won't go on that journey unless we believe that there's something for us there in God. And you know, I don't know everybody's story in this, who's listening to this today. And I've, I've heard a lot of y'all's stories actually and they're heartbreaking. And whether your story has a lot of pain or a little, nobody is without pain, right? Every one of us has experienced loss, disappointment, not having what we needed, right? That's just the reality, whether because of our sin or because of the sins of others, it's just a part of living in a broken world. But it's my prayer for all of us this morning that we would not stay there, that if we've all found ourselves in places of needing rescue, but we have a good shepherd and he knows the way out. I want to read uh, Ezekiel 34 to you. It says Ezekiel 34, verse 12. Write it down because you should read it again later. As my flock, as a shepherd looks for his scattered sheep when he is among the flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places to which they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Okay, I love this. I will rescue them from all the places to which they were scattered on days of clouds and darkness. COVID, it was a long day of clouds and darkness. The racial trauma that many had to relive again last year was a day of clouds and darkness. The childhood you lived consisted probably of many days of clouds and darkness. And maybe you've only known clouds and darkness, but here's the good news. Listen to verse 13 and 14. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. I will feed them in good pasture and the lofty mountains of Israel will be their grazing land. 
There they will lie down in a good grazing land, and they will feed in the rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Does that remind you of these other verses we read? Can't you hear Psalm 23 in that? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Do you hear the John 10, 10 in there? Like I lead them to fullness of life. I lead them out into good pasture, right? Throughout scripture, we see God's heart is to take care of us. It breaks God's heart that you have endured what you've endured. And he laid down his life so that that wouldn't be the end of your story. For some of us to accept that invitation, it requires laying down lesser invitations. It requires quieting other voices, right? Letting Jesus really lead and guide us forward. You know, even just in the small day-to-day disappointments, the frustrations of life, the problems we face, right? We need to accept his invitation to fullness of life in the midst of those things. And so if that's you, you know, just those little hangups, those little difficulties, that might mean taking a weekly Sabbath, turning off your phone, really letting him restore your soul, letting him lead you, letting him guide you. It might include journaling, writing down, listening to his voice, sharing with a friend, talking about what's going on in you, asking for prayer. We have something called Connection Prayer. It's an awesome ministry that we'll be sharing more about in the coming months, but it's a tool to help you engage with God in prayer and and bring his healing into places of pain. You know, for some of us, accepting that invitation to fullness of life will be a harder road. Facing the pain of our life is not easy. And for, you know, if you have had a tough life, you, you have found ways of coping, right? You've had to find ways to cope. And they're probably working for you in some ways. Um, spoiler alert, they often stop working all of a sudden. And so um, it really is, now is the time for healing. And it really can be so painful and difficult to let go of our coping mechanisms and to begin to face um, the pain of our life. And if that is more your story, you know, sometimes that just starts with acknowledging, just acknowledging, yeah, I've gone through some stuff. Naming your losses before God, um, crying out to him, lamenting, mourning what you've lost. And when I'm talking to a lot of you, you'll share like really hard stuff that you've been through and then say, but it's okay. I'm like, no, it's that's not okay. That that was really wrong that that happened to you, that pain that you endured. And it starts with being honest with ourselves and with God and with other people about our needs. And, you know, if if you do have a lot to work through there, that will probably include finding an awesome therapist that can help you um, access the healing of God that's available to us. But wherever you are, It is my prayer that you would begin to fellowship with Jesus, that you would begin to know him as a good shepherd. I love reading John 10 slowly, where it says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, right? He has brought out all of his own. He will go ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The Bible tells us that Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. 
and you are not the exception. You are the one that he's here to help. He knows your name, he knows your story, and he laid down his life that you might have a rich and satisfying life. And so that's what we want to spend the rest of this morning doing together. It's just, just like on Sundays when we had the prayer team come up, and you share with someone on the prayer team what's going on and they pray for you. Well, at House Church, everybody's on the prayer team, baby. And so, um, yeah, we're just going to take some time to share with one another and pray for each other. So whoever's in charge of the music at your house, let y'all just turn on some music. And then whoever's leading the group, y'all can decide if it would be better for the size of your group to share all as one group. Or you can get in pairs and or twos and threes and share but we'd love to first take a few, a few moments just to be with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, where are the places that I'm stuck? Where are the places that I'm not experiencing life to the full? And to ask him, what are the places of pain connected to those struggles? And maybe he'll just show you one little thing, but would you listen for his voice, the voice that's gonna lead you out? And then if you are willing to share that with someone or share that with the group, Hey, this is the place that I'm stuck. And you don't need to share the story of your life right now. We don't have the space today for that. But at least just sharing, this is my struggle. This is the, a place that I am not experiencing fullness of life. And let's pray for each other. And let's believe for today to be a day of healing. That today to be a day that we move forward in experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus came for us to have.